welcome to another episode of the Trinity United Church Legon Podcast. And now for today's teaching. I want to thank God once again for the life of us of Benin, the Reverend Dr. Martin Eobing and the council and all who have made it possible for us to be here. We are so grateful and I want to thank you for your positive comments and encouragement from last week. I'm so grateful. A number of us wrote to us on our social media handles. We are so grateful. Thank you also for subscribing to our YouTube channel and all the others. God bless you. We are so grateful. This morning we're looking at Christ and his incarnation. The incarnation of Christ. Incarnation of Christ. Incarnation of Christ. Last week, we had an assignment. I hope you did it. Mrs. Edusai Sin, I will take yours. One page. Font size 12. <laughs> Single spacing. Good. We thank God so much. Last week, we looked at the pre-existence of Christ, and we proved that our Jesus pre-existed. He lived before becoming man. He was there. He was part of the formation. He was part of the council that decided the formation of the world. He was in fact the one who did create. Last week we established those facts. If he was pre-existent, he was God. Then how do we say that the same God is now man? This is a mystery. So when we talk about incarnation, it is a central Christian doctrine that God became flesh. God became, God became, God became, and God became. How can God, who is eternal, who is holy, become flesh, become matter, and this is indeed a mystery. That God assumed human nature. One, he becomes flesh. Two, he assumes our nature. He takes that nature upon himself. And become a man in the form of Jesus the Christ. Who we call the son of God. And the second person of the trinity. So that is the Christian doctrine of incarnation. We believe, unlike our friends who are from other faiths, in particular Islam, who say, oh yes, Jesus was a great prophet. Or our friends who are Jews who say, yes, Jesus was special. There was something unique about him, but that is it. There's nothing more. Or our friends who are Jehovah's Witnesses, and other denominations who say, yes, this Jesus was special. There was something unique about him, but he was not God. For us as Christians, the cardinal of our faith is that God becomes man. God becomes flesh. Takes on our nature in the person of Jesus the Christ. And that is so, so emphatic. The essence of this doctrine 
of incarnation is that the pre-existent word was made or have been embodied in the man Jesus of Nazareth. So in the gospel of John we encounter, and last week we read it, in the beginning was the, and the word was, those who did not do the assignment, don't say much if he had read, I would know. So we'll start. In the beginning was the, and the word was with, and the word was God. So we affirmed that last week. But the word, the divine, the pre-existence, now is embodied in human form. And that is indeed a mystery. The need for the incarnation. Why should God become man? God stay in your heaven. So that you just command. All the sins of man away. He just. Shake something. And everything will appear. And things will be in order. God works with principles. And procedures. God works with principles. And procedures. So those of us who. People tell us all sorts of things. Be mindful. Prophets. Last week I said some. And I will continue. Prophets will tell you all sorts of things. Men of God. Women of God. All the titles of God. Will claim to tell you things. Be mindful. God works with principles. God works with procedures. The fall of man. Necessitated the incarnation. God created us for fellowship, for himself. He had an agenda for us. But sin creeps in, burning sin comes in. And now that relationship with God is severed, is destroyed. And sin is introduced into the system. Originally, sin was not there. On social media, I've been getting questions. Some say if we inherited the sin of Adam. Why did we not inherit the riches of Solomon? And a lot of people write all sorts of things. Solomon was not from the beginning. He was not there. But I, I wish I could inherit the riches of Solomon. But anyway, by faith, I have it. And I pray you also have it by faith. In Jesus' name. Don't forget to give your tithe. The sinfulness of man. Man is a generic term, not just Obama. No, it's not that one. Man as in generic. So both male and female. Because of the fall of man, because of the fall of humanity, Bonnet, the initial sin, the Adamic sin that is now encoded in our system, encoded in our DNA, change the course. Of how God intended man to be. And because of our sinfulness. He has attempted remedy through sacrifice, through propitiation. Where and the blood of animals, the blood of bulls and rams could atone. But that could not be so efficacious. That could not eradicate completely. Sometimes... There are some deaths that when you put key soap or omu, kakra, ediyeswa, uchi, yana, edain, neko. 
But if you be wa aji parazo uso ki ma diache. Sorry for those of us who don't speak tree. But there are some stains you have to bleach with chlorine overnight. And even that one, <laughs> call the professional stain removers. Jesus Christ have to incarnate, become man because of the Adamic sin, because of the sinfulness of man. When we read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21, and Genesis 2, 16 to 18. When you have time, you can go through. You can write the verses and look at it. Only sinless man could die for man's redemption. Sin is introduced because of the accounts in the Garden of Eden, because of all those issues. Now, there is sin. Two, there is the Adamic sin that is running through all generations. And what is the way forward? Who can save us? Who can redeem man? And the only one who can redeem man is God who can redeem man to be sinless as the original intent. But God is God and man is man. So only sinless man can die for man's redemption. But there is no sinless man. Where do we get a sinless man? All man. If it's an express, good expression, it is with us. Once you are man, describe man, then you have sin in your system. So we need God to intervene in a divine, special way. Job chapter 14, verse 14, Psalm 51, verse 1 to 5. If we go home, we read. I know if nobody will do the assignment, Mr. Josiah will do it. Many that will so. So God has to intervene. And that leads to the incarnation. So we are trying to see the need for the incarnation. And this God who has no sin have to be in the shoes of man, in the place of man, so he can redeem man. How was it done? It's interesting. So we've seen two elements. The element of God, holy, pre-existent, eternal, incorruptible. We've seen man that needs help, that is weak, fallible, sinful, having all the weakness, and there have to be an intercession. So one entity, God, have to intercede with the other entity. But these two entities cannot miss. So what is the way forward? How it was done. We read from the gospel narratives, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And the other time, I warned my church, if you are called Mary, Mary, don't sleep during December in church. 
They're from Maria. In December, in the month of December, don't sleep. Because there was this lady called Mary in church who was sleeping. And the pastor said, and Mary will be with a child. And suddenly she awoke from her slumber and she was shocked. The pastor, I mean, so don't sleep in church if you are called Mary. And don't have Bra Ben and Bra John. Have one. Say to your sister next to you, have one. Only one. How it was done, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Will come upon you. So this is the doing of God. And not man. There are theories about how it was done. And later on, we will explain some of them. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Let's read together Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, from verses 26 to 37. And reads some few issues. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Up until this point, it's God speaking. Fine. And I imagine the position of Mary, how Mary will be looking at the angel, the things that are being uttered. 32. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And, on his, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, and this is where we are finding answers to how it will be. And Mary said to the angel, How shall this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Can we all read 35 together, Dan? Go, it's part of teaching. Let's go. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. We'll read again with action. When we get to the overshadow, we want to see how you can dramatize it. So how do we have the overshadow? So, We'll see. Let's read again with action. Let's go. The angel answered, 
the Holy Spirit will come upon you. We say, if you say, uh huh, uh huh, of the Most High will great. So the Holy to be born will be called the Son of God. The qualification of what is in Mary's womb to be God man is as a result of the Holy Spirit. So what is in Mary's womb has nothing to do with Joseph, has nothing to do with Bra Ben or Bra John, but everything to do with the Spirit of God. So that is how the incarnation came about. Formed God's self in the womb. In contemporary theological discourse, some are saying we should not say he God, but we should say God. Because God is genderless, and indeed it is true. Ata na nyongo. Nyankopon onye bema, ena onye oba. Onye nyankopon. He is genderless. He is our father. And he's our mother. And as we celebrate women this week, we know that God is a good mother. God bless all women in the name of Jesus Christ. And God bless all men who are serving as women. That one we seldom highlight. But there are some men who are really, really doing everything. And those are gem like diamonds. God bless them too. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. So now we have seen how the incarnation came about. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary. It is not that the Holy Spirit came to have sex with Mary. Don't take that theory. It's not so. And you don't have No. 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 It never happened that way. It's not as if the Spirit of the Lord came to know. But the baby was formed in the womb of Mary. There was no sexual interaction, be it with the Spirit or with man. Pastor, what you say? Great. Text we had read, there's a parallel to Luke's account in Matthew also. In Matthew 1, 18 to 25, we will not read it. But certain things come out from this text. First of all, Mary had found favor with the Lord. Secondly, she will conceive in her womb and bear a son. And his name shall be called Jesus. And this name, the anointed one, the Savior, has a parallel. With the Hebrew Imnu El. Some have said that in the Hebrew is Imnu El. Why is it Jesus here? The functions are the same. We'll look at them more later. The description of God man in Mary's womb is that he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Son of the Most High. The Son of the Most High. Meaning that Son, that in the womb, is the most high. I and my father are one. 
And this is a fulfillment of scripture in Isaiah 7, 14. And last week I told you there's going to be an argument between the Old Testament scholar, my father, also for being, and myself. And this is the argument. In the Hebrew text, the word is Alma. And Alma designates a young woman, Abayua. In the Greek, the word is Parthenos. And Parthenos denotes a virgin. This is the question. Are all young women virgins? Are all young women virgins? Somebody said in TUC, all young women are virgins. Amen. Amen. <laughs> In the LSX, the Septuaginta, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, the, the word is first used to depict the context. In the Greek context, the understanding is that every young woman is and must be a virgin. Abayua, yofulo, and Obebunu. Bunu gives the idea of unripe. Mangubunu. Ekutubunu. Anakwedubunu. Ne just say emerie. Sorry for those who don't speak tree. Uh, we will try to explain in English. But I hope you don't speak tree. Uti bunu. Bunu is unripe. Or bad. The flower that is not open is kind of a bud. So therefore, there is no issue. The Jews in particular will argue upon this text and say that, look, the Mary you people are talking about, what the Hebrew text says is that she was a young woman and there is no case for her virginity. But we know as a matter of fact from the account of Luke and the account of Matthew the expression, you have found favor with God, gives a clue of her pious, her just, her holiness. Meaning, all things being equal, Mary was a virgin. So we defeat the idea that Mary was just a babunu. Mary was just a young lady. And she could have said, Musa. I don't know how to say that one in English. I didn't say that one. <laughs> so obviously, the text proves that Mary, according to the New Testament, and the account of Matthew and account of Luke, Mary, the expression of had found favor with the Lord. I'm not saying that if you're a young lady and you have, say Musa, you can't find favor with God. But we know that God exalts righteousness. God give grace to those of us who make attempt to live to his glory. I pray that all of us will have at the back of our mind that we will seek to be different, especially my sisters and my brothers also. Virginity is not only a gender-based feminine. We need male virgins also. Hallelujah.
So you, Brahwe, you have to virginalize the people. When it's time for you to marry, you are looking for virgin. May it be unto you as you have done unto others. The process. How the process came about. The process. We want to bring to mind a very popular hymn we sing during Christmas time, MHB 117. 117. And I hope you know that hymn, 117. Who knows the, the, the hymn here? MHB 117. We sing it during Christmas time. And when we sing that hymn, the second stanza gives us an idea of the process of the incarnation. How God will be formed in a virgin's womb. Said Christ, by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, let in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, build in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus are Emmanuel, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. So the child was God already, was a king already, this child pre-existed, and like we say that our hymns in general, all hymns of church hymns are like the Bible in dilution. I just say, the Bible in dilution. And we see high Christology in this hymn, MHB 117, the second stanza. Another very popular hymn, or favorite hymn during the Christmas time is MHB 118. And the second stanza again. So 118 is what? Power Master. O come, all ye faithful. Very good. And the second stanza is interesting. It says, through God of true God, light of light, eternal. Yes, last week we looked at the pre-existent. Lo, ye are born, not the virgin's womb, son of the father. And this expression is key. Begotten, not created. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Christ the curious, even at his birth. So we see the process of transforming divinity to humanity. The process of emerging two different unique entities and it can only from, be from God and by God and for God. In the nature of the incarnation, and we'll spend some time here. The text read for us, Philippians chapter 2, 6 to 8. And the Apostle Paul takes time to engage the issue of the incarnation. We read 2, 1 to the, um, 20 or so, but we are looking at 6 and 8. 2, 6 and 8. We are told that who, being in the form of God, so his divinity was not disputed. And if somebody like Paul, who was a former Judaizer, a he would describe himself as a Pharisee of Pharisee who had studied under Gamaliel, an expert in the Torah, an expert in the things of God, and who was to some extent an eye far away eyewitness to the Christ event, would argue to the point that 
this Jesus is God. This Jesus is God become man. He had the form of God. And we are told that he made himself of no reputation. He didn't go with equality. I am also God. But humbled himself and took upon himself the nature of man. And Paul uses the idea of the nature of a servant of the creation. And being found in fashion as man, he humbled himself and became obedient even unto death, the death on the cross. So, we started with the idea that the need for the incarnation is as a result of sin. And the end product, which we will look at next week, is that the death on the cross brings liberation, brings salvation, brings hope to humanity, and restores man to the original position. So he came not just to be God-man, but to accomplish a certain specific purpose. So Easter is meaningless unless it is linked up with the total liberation of the incarnation. We are in the Ghana month. <laughs> so we cannot celebrate Easter. We cannot celebrate resur the resurrection, death and resurrection without appreciating the incarnation. There are theories against this. And I raised one of them. Some said that, yes, they believe that Jesus was God. For those people, those heresy, they hold that, yes, he was God, man. But at the time of the incarnation, he emptied himself. He was not God again. He left the God and became man. No, Jesus was fully God, fully man. At the incarnation. In the beginning he was God. When he was formed. In the womb of Mary. At that time he was God. At that time he was man. He didn't leave any of them. He had a dwell. And he was fully God. And fully man. Some have said that yes. He didn't possess divine attributes. In the womb. He didn't possess divine attributes at the incarnation or when he became man. He possessed divine attribute. He possessed it. He had it. And he could use it. When we look at the argument for the humanity of Jesus, Jesus as human will be hungry, will be thirsty, will fall asleep. So if you read Mark chapter 4, they about Nawada, Nawada. He was asleep. Humans sleep. Humans we grow. Twelve years. He'll be taken to the temple at a certain age. He will grow. He'll be 30. Humans grow. He was fully man and fully God. In his interactions with his disciples, he said, When you were under the tree, I saw you. He said, go. When you go there, somebody will ask you this. And when they ask you, why are you untying that animal? Say to them this. Futuristic. It's only God that knows the future. And I'm working on uh, some projects now. Artificial intelligence, social media, and prophecy. And I highlighted some the other time. There are apps 
that if I type Mempassem president, will give me all the things about the Mempassem president. So if I come to your church, I'm the prophet of the day. Or if I type Trinity United Church, everything about Trinity United, key members of this church, I will have information about you. So if I come and say, Eradi Kasachami, Mary, 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 Mary. Mm. My God. Kasu di foko. Mi hunu se, o Mary biwa ha, uye juma wo glyco. Oh, Sam Mary no, oh. Now I saw none of Oh, it's me, it's me. The one who has come has gathered all your data already. So he knows what he's coming to say. And in the work I'm doing so far, I was in one church, a prophet visited a church, just studying, and the prophet would say, I see a policewoman here by name D, 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 Deborah. I said, yes. No, woman, I'm sorry. Then I go to the church's social media platforms. And you will see this woman's picture everywhere as a police officer. Is this from God? Is it from man? Is he being smart? Is he using his faculties? How do we interpret this? Nonetheless, God can give us insight into things we do not know. I believe in God strongly. I believe in prophecy. How should prophecy be like in the era of artificial intelligence, in the era of social media? Be careful. Open your eyes. This Jesus was truly God. He could see. He knew what was ahead. He could bless and multiply and repeat miracles that have happened in the Old Testament. God gave them manna. Jesus would give them bread, praying upon it. He could do miracles that they will say, this is only God, because it is only God that gives life. And we see that in this Jesus. Today, to summarize and to recap, we have tried to look at how God, who is pre-existent, becomes man. And we have seen the process. We have seen the need for it. We have gone through how it occurred. And we have seen some arguments against the incarnation. And we have concluded that the Jesus we follow, one was fully God, and fully man. He had a dual citizen, dual nature, all in one. And none left the other at any time. And the reason and the purpose for Jesus, God becoming man, so that he would save man from the man's sin and from the nature of sin. So man, today, because of Christ, as you are seated here, you are not a sinner on the merit of Christ and what Christ have done for you. If you fall and die, God will say, thou good and faithful servant, come to my right hand. Because you have believed in him. God will in next week, we will continue from here. Thank you for your attention. God bless you. We are glad you joined us for today's episode. To engage with us some more, kindly search for Trinity United Church, Legon, on YouTube and Facebook. And give us a follow. You can also join us every Sunday on the premises of Trinity Theological Seminary, Legon. Thank you. <laughs>